Welcome to New Life Bible Church, and thank you for joining us. Every week, listen to practical teaching of God's Word you can apply to your life as you live out your faith every day. Our vision at New Life is that you may know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. Here's this week's message from New Life Bible Church. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. Today I will be taught the Word of God. I boldly confess my mind is alert, my heart is receptive. I will never be the same. I'm about to receive the incorruptible, indestructible, ever living seed of the Word of God. I will never be the same. Never, never, never. I will never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you, Lord, that we will never be the same, Father, as we begin to hear your word and this seed is planted into our hearts, Father, that our faith would grow, Lord, and not just grow, that it would grow to a place of causing signs and wonders and deliverance, Father, in our lives and in the church, Lord, that uh, we would be attractive to the world because of your move here and your power happening in this place, Lord. We do this, Lord, because it brings you glory and it brings you honor, Father. So, Lord, as I minister your word this morning, I pray that you use me as an instrument in your hands, Father, in the name of Jesus. Amen, amen. So this week it's called Promises, Promises, right? And God keeps his promises. Some of you have been around a little while are going to hear some things at the end of this sermon that you've heard before. I want to give you a little uh, preface to that. Oh, I've heard that already. That's a terrible attitude. So I'm, I'm hitting you in the beginning rather than after you say it. So that way you don't say it in your mind or in your heart when we do get there. But I'm going to repeat some things. And uh, some of you who have been around for a few years are going to hear some things you've heard before. Uh, the Word of God is alive. So once I preach it, it doesn't mean that we take that. You know, it's like, like, like a battery. You know, you put a battery in, you take all the energy out of the battery, then you throw the battery away. The, the Word of God never loses its power, right? So you can reuse it and reuse it and reuse it, and sometimes we need to hear things over and over. You know why? Because faith comes by hearing and by hearing and by hearing and by hearing, right? And sometimes repetition is really good, and sometimes it'll awaken faith in you that you've heard something before and you forgot it or you're just not using it, uh, you know, so we want to be, be sure that we continue to hear the word. And as I prepare and I study, these things that I've been teaching for years come up in my heart. And I'm like, man, that's really good. And if you don't get blessed by hearing it again, uh, you're, I'll be blessed by hearing it again. So um, that's good enough, right? So our motto here is you will never be the same. It's been part of who we were. We were a faith family worship center before we merged with the New Life. New Life had been in the community for over 30 years or about 30 years. And uh, they have a great, they have a great and had a great reputation in our community. So I did not want to change that. So we took away our faith family worship center and we came in and took the, the name New Life because of its reputation and the length of time that it had been in this community. But we did not take away our motto. Now, most churches don't have a motto. They'll have their name and then their vision or their mission. Uh, we do have a motto. I like little short things that stick and make you think and make you uh, know. And you will never be the same was our motto uh, when we planted our church in Deland and, and we brought that along with us. So we truly believe that when you come to church and we gather together that you will not be the same. We say this because God has promised us more. 
Everybody say more. And when God makes a promise, he keeps it. How many don't want? I mean, I want more, right? And sometimes I get too much, but you still want more. You get a plate of food, right? Uh, 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 she's going to have to translate because I'm about to talk to, about my mother-in-law. My mother-in-law is making this dish today called mukeka. Anybody know what that? I know some of the Bolivians don't. I'm looking back there. I didn't see Hugo. I know Hugo. He, he lived in, in, oh, he's, he's in Children's Church. He lived in Brazil. Anyway, it's a fish dish made in this ceramic pot thing, and, and she brought it from Brazil to cook it. And so when I eat that, I'm going to want more. <laughs> right? And then when you get to the dessert, you're going to want, come on, you're going to want more, right? Taste and see that the Lord is good. I want more because I've tasted and seen that he is. I want more. Say, I want more. I want more of God in my life, right? And he makes promises and he keeps them. So God's promises are his to give but ours to manage. Uh, I was having a conversation with somebody the other day, and actually a few months ago, and uh, they were telling me, that because Jesus went to the cross and the promises are there, that things are just, that's the way they are. And that's not entirely true. Uh, you know, there's a lot that happened on the cross, right? Salvation, deliverance, uh, uh, generational curses were taken care of and all that. But just because it says that in here, and just because that actually did happen, we do believe it did, doesn't mean that it's operating in our lives. So we have something to do with the promises of God. You guys understand that? Okay. So Numbers 23, 19, I'm going to read it in the New King James Version and then in God's Word translation. Uh, 19 says in the New King James, Numbers 23, 19, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said and will he not do? Or has he spoken and will he not make it good? Maybe ever had somebody promise you something and not follow through don't and don't nudge the person don't nudge your spouse or don't do that that's not nice it happens because we're men right we're human beings but god when when it comes out of his mouth it's established it cannot change sometimes people say i, I had this conversation the other day i love these kind of conversations god can do whatever he wants no he can't he could only do what he said he would do He's bound by his own words, which is, you might think, well, the, the, well then God's not. No, that, that means that everything in here, right, is true, and everything he said he would promise us has to come to pass because he's bound by his words. Sometimes we take our faith and we want to we run off with it and believe for things that are not biblical. No, I got to have word to stand on. If not, I'm not going before my father because they're his words. Numbers 23, 19, God's word translation. It says, God is not like people. He tells no lies. He's not like humans. He doesn't change his mind. Have you ever changed your mind? Right? When he says something, he does it. When he makes a promise, he keeps it. Let, let's, uh, just for a moment, I'm going to take a, a little rabbit trail here. Just for a moment. In Genesis, he creates the heavens and the earth. He creates Eden. He puts Adam and Eve in there, right? He does all that. It's perfect. It's so perfect that they're running around naked, right? So, and they got fruit, and they, got, they don't have to work for anything. They don't, you know what I'm saying? It's just, it's perfect. It's paradise. And then sin comes in. They make a choice 
by their own will, because they had their own will to choose. They made a choice to choose sin, to try and be like God when they were already like God. And then they get kicked out of the Garden of Eden. Did, now, does God look at that and say, well, that didn't work? He doesn't look at that and say, well, I guess I have to try something different. I have to change my mind. No, that's still in play. That place is going to come back around. We are in the, uh, we're going to come right back to that and end up right where we ended up, right where he ended up creating man and woman and putting them in paradise, right? We're going to end up right there. That's why uh, the, the thief on the cross says, today you will be in paradise. What's he talking about? The original intention that God had, he didn't change his mind, and we didn't make him change his mind. <laughs> so over 3,000 years ago, God made some promises to his people, to his people. That's Old Testament, the Israelites. And those promises are in effect for you today, but there's a little difference. God has made you those promises. See, in the Old Testament, God had his people. In the New Testament, he's in a God to the individual. He's no longer a God and here I go again, another rabbit trail. So, you know, God looked at Israel as a people. He was God to them as a whole. So in those people, in that, 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 the Israelites, there was some people, part of that, that went off and did their own thing. And they, they were corrupting what God had intended to do, like a virus, like a disease. So the question is, this was one of my theses in in seminary was I had to write why God could, how God, a loving God could kill a whole cities with women, children, and you know, how could a loving God do that? Well, he wasn't celebrating when he did that. He was rescuing his people. So if you, if you had a choice and you see you got gangrene on, on your leg or your foot or something and you say, okay, uh, there's only one way out of this. You got, you got to cut that off or you're going to die. You're going to make a choice. It's not going to be an easy one. It's going to hurt. You're never going to be the same after that because there's going to be a part of you missing. So that, that's God's heart. It wasn't something he did out of, ah. It was something he did out of trying to rescue his people. He, did, he loved his people so much that now he sent his only begotten son. Nevertheless, just cutting off a piece. Now he's giving himself. So that he never has to do that again. Never has to do that again. Here's the question. And why does he send people to hell? I don't know why I'm talking about these things. Because it has nothing to do with my sermon today. But, you know, God sent his son Jesus to save his people. So heaven is for those who accept that. Right. Hell is for those who decide they want to pay for their own sin. So we got to quit saying that God sends people to hell. People choose to go there. That, I mean, I'm not, I'm not way out there, am I? No. We talked, we were praying up here about, about, you know, doctrine and being solid doctrine. I hope that I'm okay, right? Hell is not a place, God, oh, we're going to, no, it's a place created for you to pay for your own sin. But he gave you an out. Right. Why wouldn't we take it? Why wouldn't we say, I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior so that I can go to that place he prepared for me, not for me to pay for my own sins. Is that good? Can we go back to the word now? Second Peter 1.4. God has given us his very great and precious promises. Precious 
precious, precious. It's precious promises. So that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Divine, heaven on earth. Promises have a purpose. And it's not always what we think it is. That you may participate in a divine heaven on earth nature, not a sinful nature. You guys know what we call the Lord's Prayer. Our kingdom come, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is the promise. This is the intention that we would live this way here on earth. That we would have the divine nature. What keeps us from that? Sin. Disobedience. Doing things our own way. Telling God how to do things in our lives. You ever do that? God, I'm praying. I know this promise. Uh, I'm praying that I, I need financial uh, uh, help. I'm, I'm, I'm struggling right now financially. And, and Lord, so uh, this is what I want you to do. I want you to give me a, a, a promotion at work uh, so I can make more money. And then I want to, uh, how about a bonus? Can you tell? How about just letting God do it? What if you prayed, I need financial help here, Lord. I need you to do what you promised to do. And then the next day you get fired. Are you still trusting God? Yeah. No, you came up with your own way of fixing the problem. He's like, okay, then you do it. You go ask for a raise. You go ask for a promotion. If you're going to ask me to do it, I'm going to fire you. I'm going to have you fired. Because then you're going to trust me, and then a door's going to open for you. You're going to end up somewhere that you could never even imagine that you would end up. <laughs> this was not my idea. <laughs> And then I'm going to do what I promised I would do. But you got to let me do it my way. So all we got to do is trust on what he said and trust that the journey to get there is in his hands, that he's going to do what he said he was going to do. As I stood here and I grabbed onto the, to the pulpit, I was remembering we had a, a leadership meeting out here. I was telling somebody yesterday, and uh, I had one of these uh, uh, music stands, and I, I was about to start speaking to the leaders. I had a little word I was going to share and I pushed the music stand down. I did it with, uh, with my grandson here one day. And I pushed the music stand down, and Micah uh, was running around, Gus's uh, and Chili's son. He was running around out there making noise. I said, I told him to come over. And he stood behind the, the pulpit because he saw me standing there. And he's looking around. I said, say Jesus. And he goes, Jesus. And everybody, all the leaders, Wah! So he was like, oh, this is good. Jesus. Wah! You know, we did it like six times. He was just, he felt like he was in control. So then he ran off, right? Okay, it's my turn. You can't keep preaching. You're kind of taking my, my, you know, my glory here. Get out of here. This kid was preaching better than I was. So I said, get out of here, you know. So he comes, and then we were trying to get him to say Jesus again, but he wouldn't say it unless he was standing behind the pulpit. So he said, say Jesus. So he comes over, and he stands behind the pulpit. Jesus, you know. We, had, we started and ended our meeting with him preaching to, to all of us, so preaching Jesus. You know, so it wasn't, to him, it, it, to me, it looks like that's where he belongs, because he, he had it going on. But if you would have looked at me 30 years ago, 25 years ago, no, maybe 30 years ago, nobody would have said, this is where you belong. I would not have said, this is where I belong. I wouldn't have. But I said, yes, Lord. Because I trusted his plan. 
Now, the journey here, <laughs> definitely not what I would have planned. But here we are. Promise. A promise is an offer with a guaranteed result. Guaranteed result. Right? An offer with a guaranteed. So an offer is still something that you have to accept. Joshua 21, 45. Not one of all of the Lord's good promises to Israel failed. Not one. Now, did they all experience his promises? They didn't. But none of them, the ones that did experience it, he didn't choose them to have his promises. He chose for everyone to have them. They just, some of them just didn't do their part. It says every one was fulfilled. I'm going to read, uh, I don't think you have this in the King James there, Hebrews 6. I think you have it um, in the message. Is that correct on your little, those who have their papers or whatever? I don't think, you don't have it. Okay, so I'm just going to read it. Uh, if you have a Bible, you can open it up or your, your phone. Hebrews uh, chapter 6, verses 17 through 19. I want to read it. In the, I was going over my notes this morning, and I said, man, i got to read this in the New King James. And so it makes more sense if I do both. So let's do Hebrews chapter 6, verse 17 uh, through 19 in the New King James. Wow, I need a, I've had this Bible so long, I think the, the ink is getting smaller. Yeah, the, it's got to be it, right? The print. When you keep a, a book that long, the print starts to shrink. Dear Jesus, where was I? 17 through 19. Thus God, determining to show more abundantly to the heirs, in, those who inherit, the heirs of promise, the immutability, unchangeable is what that means, immutability of his counsel confirmed it by an oath <laughs> so powerful these words that by two immutable things in which it is impossible impossible for god to lie we might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us 19. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil. Immutable, unchangeable. Let's read it in the message. 17. Hebrews 6, 17 through 19. Message. When God wanted to guarantee his promises, he gave his word. A rock-solid guarantee. God can't break his word. And because his word cannot change, the promise is likewise unchangeable or immutable, right? The promise is likewise unchangeable. 19. It's an unbreakable spiritual lifeline reaching past all appearances right to the very presence of God. That is so powerful. Listen, if you if you offered me everything, the American dream, right? You offered me everything I could I could you could dream of, right? No, you don't ever have to work again. You can enjoy life, you can travel, whatever it is that your heart's desire. You offered me all those things. 
or a spiritual lifeline to the presence of God, I'll take the spiritual lifeline. Every time. Give me that. I'll take that. I've had stuff before. It never gave me that. It never satisfied me. It never fulfilled me. It was temporary. I say this all the time. You buy a brand new car and you get in it. You drive around and, you, you know, sometimes you, it's too hot right now, but you ride around with your window down, right? And you oh, yeah, look at me in my new car. You know, you pull up to the light and, and you kind of, you know, got your music going so people look. You know, you're kind of showing off a little bit, right? You're gonna, and about three or four months down the line, you pull up to the light and another car pulls up next to you and you're like, wow, that's nice. <laughs> that's how it is. These things only fulfill you for a moment. But the presence of God, the promise of being able to be in his presence, to have access to the throne room, that's immeasurable. And it's a promise, unchangeable. He gave us the rights to go before him. It's unchangeable and unbreakable spiritual lifeline reaching past all appearances right to the very presence. All appearances. You think that you have to be perfect or look like this or look like that or carry a certain Bible or, or you know, uh, behave this way or use Christianese. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to move away from that language because I realize that the lost don't understand us anymore. Like scripture, just the word scripture alone. I said something the other day, and I was about to say the word scripture. And I said, the Bible, you know what the Bible is? Oh, it was right here, the, one of the kids. Uh, we were praying over the kids to go back to school, and, and, and there was a visitor. Somebody sent a, a cousin or something to be prayed over. And he was sitting right here, and I said, do you know what, and I think I used the word scripture, and he said, no. And I said, do you know what the Bible is? He said, no. And I said, these, and it's okay. I said, these are words that God wrote on a piece of paper, and he made a book. These are God's words. And then he kind of nodded his head. So simple, right? But I didn't have to use God's words written on a piece of paper. God's words written on my heart. And he got it. We need to quit talking like we're so spiritual that people don't even understand us anymore. We need to be all things to all people. The word unchangeable is eternal, unconditional, in effect today. So let's go through some of the things we have to do with the promises. Uh, the first one is know his promises. First Chronicles 17, 19, it says, Lord, for the sake of your servant and according to your will, you have done this great thing and made known all these great promises. Where are his promises? The Bible, the book that he wrote, right? The Bible, a book of promises, a book of love. One has said it's a book of real estate, right? We're going to possess the land. How do I know his promises? Read the book. Read the promises. Read it every day. When life doesn't make sense and things are not going according to plan, we need to hang on to the promises of God. And the only way you can hang on to the promises of God is by knowing the promises of God. Don't wait for that day to go and, and, and you know, let me go find them. Start putting them in your heart. Even the promises that you don't need for your daily life right now, you're going to need them eventually. Right? Plant them there. Get them ready. Load your weapon, your sword. Load it up. Put it in your heart so when times come and something tragic happens, man, it, it just starts to come out of your mouth. There's a promise verse in the word for every circumstance that you're in right now that you've gone through and you'll, you will ever go through. Find it and hang on to it. 
Find it and stand on it. Don't try it. Do it. That's faith. Faith is not trying something. Faith is doing something and standing on it no matter what it looks like. Weakness. 2 Corinthians 13, 9. When we are weak, he is strong and he lives in me. So I'm always strong. Insecure. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Are you anxious? Philippians 4, 6, and 7, be anxious for nothing but in all things through prayer and supplication. Let your requests be made known to God. And the most important part is to meditate on these things. You have money issues? Let's go back to Philippians 4, one of my favorite chapters, right? And God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. You need healing? There's plenty of those, but we'll give you the, the most common one, 1 Peter 2, 24. By his stripes we are healed. Fear, Psalm 27.1, David knew about fear and knew about depression, knew about anxiety. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Devil won't leave you, leave you alone. You're being tormented all the time, 1 John 4.4. 4. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. If, I'm, if the one that's in me is greater than the one that's tormenting me, then I just need to stand up, Right? I need to send him on his way. I have this wonderful saying that I, when we used to uh, have these issues, you know what? The devil don't mess with me anymore. Every, he might come around or whatever, but I went from, from hand-to-hand combat to putting him down from a tower with a, with a rifle. I try to keep him at bay. I don't even, right? We don't want him messing with us. We don't want him anywhere near us. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. So I have this thing I say. I say, Lord, I, I tell when, when I feel like I'm being tormented or, or I feel like maybe there's... And this doesn't happen very often. We tend to blame the devil for stuff that he hasn't even done. Right? Because sometimes it's our own doing. And if we blame him, then we don't have to take responsibility for our own doing. We do it with God, too. Here we go. Another, another rabbit trail. We blame God. We go to God. We ask for something. And it doesn't happen. Then we blame him for what happened. <laughs> You're asking him to rescue you. And then you're blaming him for what happened, for the problem. You may have done it yourself. I can't blame God for this. I ate too much. That's what happened. Oh, God, look what you did. I can't believe this. I prayed and it didn't go away. That doesn't happen like that. It's ridiculous, right? But we do it with other stuff. We do it with serious things. So I, I always tell the devil, whenever he comes around, or, and it's not as often, I haven't used this phrase in a long time, I said, I have been bought by the blood of Jesus. I am a son of the almighty God who created heaven and earth. And then if I'm feeling up to it, I'll tell him, and you are the booger that he flicked out of heaven. <laughs> That's what he did. He flicked him right out of heaven. Don't laugh at me. You've done it before. In your brand new car at the light. That was bad. I shouldn't have done that. Let's keep it serious. We're talking about God's promises, people. <laughs> so we need to know. You need to know his promises. Feed yourself his promises. We need to understand his promises. This is what's so important about solid teaching. Sometimes we want to go somewhere, and I'm going to give you a, a few hints here. Sometimes we want to go somewhere where somebody's getting this revelation. Revelation just means to uncover what's already there. That's all that means. 
So if somebody's getting a revelation that no one else has gotten, they're not uncovering something. They're making something up. It's not something that was already there. It's something that they say came to them and only to them. So when you run into people like that, what do you do? Run. run. Thank you, guys. Somebody, see, bears repeating. You run. Now, do I get it right every time up here? Man, I do my best. I, re I really pray and I study. But, you know, I keep it as I, my wife was uh, sharing with her, her family yesterday. You know, he uses a lot of scripture, and I sent her a copy of my notes so they can kind of look up the scriptures in Portuguese on their own. And I, so I, 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 she was like, man, you use a lot. Of, I said, yeah. The less I say, the more he says, the more powerful the service will be and the more powerful the word will be because I can back up almost 99.9% .9 of everything I say, except for the booger part. I can, I, can, I can back up everything I say with the word. I do my best to do that because I want God to speak to you. My words have no power. His words, whew, they're extremely powerful. We need to understand his promises. Uh, remember uh, Numbers 23, 19? Uh, God is not a man that he should lie. His promises are rock solid. So although God's promises are unconditional, we need to understand that every promise has a premise. You have a part to play in it. You know, we're already at the in, in September. It's incredible, right? So uh, I get a letter from the, the city of Orange City uh, already asking us if we're going to participate in in the parade for December already. I got one, I think I read it yesterday. Uh, but anyway, so we have the, the Christmas. So it made me think about this. I said, you know, it's our part. So you set up your Christmas tree, and, uh, you know, if you put, we just, we just kind of do shopping, and we start throwing stuff under the tree. We, don't, we used to do the night before, and uh, my, kids, my kids caught uh, underwear Santa, which was me, by the way. Uh, that's what they call me because at the one point, uh, my middle daughter thought that I was really Santa. And we never taught them that. We always say Jesus provided for us and all that, you know. But we, we played with it like we, you know, other things. And so we made sure that we didn't feed them that lie or anything like that. But, we, you know, we, we, we played along. So uh, she went to school and told everybody that I was Santa because one day I, my wife had a day, uh, uh, daycare and I dressed up as Santa. But I had these leather uh, sandals that I used to wear all the time. I used to wear them fishing. I wore them everywhere. They were comfortable. You know, in Miami, sandals is like, you know, it's cool. You don't have to, you can wear pants and sandals. And so I had these sandals I wore. And I had my, my, my <laughs> uh, Santa outfit on. And I had sandals sticking out the bottom of my sandals, right? So she looked down. She says, that's Poppy. <laughs> and you would think that she would just say, okay, you know, he's dressed up as Santa. No. Poppy is Santa. <laughs> That's what she came up with. I mean, she was little, right? We finally told her, you know, in her 20s. But um, <laughs> she, you know, she, she, and she went to school and told all her kids that I was Santa. And they started sending notes home with her. Like lists of stuff that they wanted because she convinced them. And I'm like, man. If you would just convince them that Jesus is the Son of God the way that you convince them that I'm Santa, we could get everybody saved. Right? It was like, man, this is great. Well, you got something going on here, but we need to switch that over. 
But if you get a gift under the tree, I don't know how I got into all that. You get a gift under the tree, right? And it's sitting there. And Christmas comes and Christmas goes. And you never go grab that gift and unwrap the gift and take the gift out of the box and put it together if you have to put it together and put batteries in it or plug it, whatever it requires you to do. If you don't use that gift according to how it was created to be used, that gift is just a box under the tree. See, God put the promises under a tree. And he gave them to us. He gave us these promises. There's promises that go with a tree. And if we don't go to those promises and take them and unwrap them and pull them out and do our part to cause those promises to do what they were created to do, we don't, we don't get to take advantage of them. So even though he provided them, he paid the price for them, he wrapped them, he put them under the tree, he did everything that he had to do, our part is what? To go. And so we have a part to play. So we need to understand his promises. We have a part to play. We have to stay in right relationship with God. You can't just show up to God when you need something. He's our father. Imagine if your kids just took off for years at a time and then showed up at the door and said, Hey, I, 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 need, uh, I need four tires in my car. Can you help me out? They, they don't work on, your, on the relationship. They, don't, they just show up. And we're, we're earthly people. Some of us would actually help them. But God's not like God needs a relationship. God's purpose for Jesus is to have an intimate relationship with us. Outside of that, you're not going to be uh, under his covering. And when you're not under his covering, we saw what happened to the Israelites in the desert, right? If you know the story, there were several times that they went out from underneath the covering of God. We have to stay in right relationship with, with God. God can only bless us when we're under his covering. Number two, promises require faith. Should have put that first, right? Without faith, faith, it is impossible to please him. This is where we lose some of, the, some of you because you just want what you want without using faith. I said it. I want it. And yeah, 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 right? we're, just, we're just spoiled, rotten sons and daughters of God. I'm not calling you that. I have been that. I have been that. Where all of my prayers was just coming before God and asking for something and demanding because your word says, right? No. No, he does these things and promises these things and fulfills his promises because he loves us. Not because we demand it or make him do it for us. You have to have faith and believe. Number three, God does it his way and on his time. This one's, this one's the one that we, <laughs> we're like, all you need to know is that he keeps his promises. God wants to teach you something in the process. We want God to do something for us. God's trying to do something in us. It's completely different. Does he still have to keep his promise? Absolutely. But God can use that promise to take you on a journey that will change you forever. Fulfilling times changes you. But most of the time, most of the time, it's the journey that changes you. It's when things aren't going. I have grown more in the Lord when things were bad than I ever did when they were good. I hear Jim go, come on. That's true. 
He just went through a journey. And he's not the same Jim he was three years ago, I can tell you that much. <laughs> so much so that he's celebrating his birthday today. <laughs> I was waiting for the right moment, and that was it. You keep preach, and when you do that, you remind me that, you know, that it was your birthday, so it's all your fault. <laughs> See, we want, something, we want God to do something for us, and he wants to do something in us. Trust the process. Believe for the promise. He will do it. Just trust the process. As I said earlier, we come to God with our financial need, and we tell him what we want him to do, and then we turn around and, and we lose our job, and we think, oh, God abandoned me. No, do you still trust him? Trust the journey. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. I'm going to read that in the New International Version, and then the new... am I losing here? I put new batteries in there, so... Um. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Yes and amen. Yes and so be it. That's what amen means. So be it. 2 Corinthians 1.20 in the way that we have heard it many times. For all the promises of God in him are yes and in him amen to the glory of God through us. All not aside from him. I've got a feeling it's this cable and I already changed it. I'm gonna try one more thing and then I'll move to the mic. Um the promises are in him. Hello, you got me? Thank you. Great job back there. <laughs> Thank you. The, that's, that's a ministry that we kind of take for granted. But uh, the promises are in him. That means that he doesn't give you a promise. He is the promise. See, what we want is for God to come and give us the promise and say, this is what your word says, God, and give it. So what do we do with that as a human being, as a selfish people that we are? We take that promise and we run off with it and we no longer need the one who gave us the promise. But the promises of God are in him. That means aside from Jesus, you cannot have these promises because they are in him. He doesn't get because he knows Come on, God created us. He knows that if he went and gave us the promise and gave us financial stability and gave us a, a, a good, wonderful, working marriage and gave us kids that do everything that we say to do, man, that's a miracle in itself. So if he did these things, right, then we, we could get the things that we needed and we would no longer need him. But these things are only, those promises are only in effect in him. That means you have to keep a relationship with him. You have to stay in good standings with him. You have to be with him even when things are good. You have to thank him when things are good. You have to thank him when things are bad. You have to pray a, a prayer of thanksgiving, a prayer of adoration, a pr not just a prayer of gimme, gimme, my name is Jimmy. 
You have to be able to pray and, 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 and come before the Lord and, and worship him and have a relationship with him, a communication, a dialogue, not a monologue. You understand that? We want to go to God and we want to tell him what to do. We want to say amen and walk away and we don't want to, we don't want to listen. We don't want to listen. We have to pursue his promises that led us right into this. Psalm 119, verse 140. Your promises have been thoroughly tested and your servants, your servant loves them. This is David, right? David did not try God's promises. He tested them. He did not just believe for a moment and when it didn't come to pass, walk away. God's promises must be put to a test, and it'll pass the test every single time. Once David tested them and found them to be true, he fell in love with them. Just eight verses later, he says this in Psalm 119, 148. My eyes stay open through the watches of the night that I may meditate on your promises. Not only did he ask them for them and test them, now he's meditating. How do you do that? On the fact that he already got them. On the fact that he already got those promises. Pursue the promise. Meditate. To put forth. To bring to the front. Focus. We focus on the problem. We focus on the issue. We focus on the lack. We focus on all this stuff. No, focus on the promise. That's the only thing that's going to get you through. Everything else is a distraction. Everything else is a distraction. <laughs> so I, I did a series on the threefold cord. How many of you were here for those? I did all these teachings on, on three, different three things, right? And one of them was, and, and some of you who, who are old rock church people may recognize this one, um, tame your tongue, guard your heart, and lift your eyes. Watch out what you say. Guard your heart with the word of God. And pick up your eyes from the circumstance. Lift up your eyes. This is what we do. Oh, I stepped in a pile of poop. Man, that stinks. Oh, my nice shoes. I'm going to have to throw these things away. Wow, I'm in poop. I'm still in poop. And it still stinks. And I... I don't, man, and I really like these shoes. And we focus on what, right? Instead of getting a hose, taking the shoe off, what do you do? You lift your eyes. You lift your eyes out of the circumstance. You lift your eyes above the circumstance. Why? Because you're looking at what's going to happen. Listen, this is one of the greatest teachings for for depression, for anxiety, for all those things. I've had some of those things. I've gone through some of those things. Oh, well, the pastor just said that. Yes, I did. And what do you got to do? Well, that's what hope does. Hope causes you to lift your eyes. You may not be feeling well. You may be standing in it, and it may stink. But if you lift your eyes, you can see what it could be, what it will be, and what it has to be according to the promises of God. It has to happen because God said so. God said so. I'm going to go through this really quick. 
I've taught this, and you can look it up. Uh, I've taught this before. I think it's probably, I've put this in several of my sermons because it, it is just so foundational and so basic, even though it's Old Testament scripture. In Exodus chapter 6, verses 6 and 7, it covers God's four core promises. Everything else comes out of these four promises. Know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. That's why this is where our vision comes from. You ready? Verse 6, six uh, Exodus 6, verse 6 and 7. Therefore, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord. Ready? And I will bring you out, number one, from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you, number two, from the being the slaves to them. I will redeem you, number three, for with an outstretched arm and with a mighty axe of judgment. I will take you as my own people. Wow. And I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. So number one, I will bring you out. God promises me salvation. No God. You have these scriptures. You can take them home and read them. That's it. That, you can read through Titus 3, 3 through 8. Number two, I will free you. God promises me deliverance. We will find freedom. See, salvation to bring you out brings you out of Egypt. Deliverance takes the Egypt out of you. It's not enough that you would be saved and give your life to the Lord. Now we got to get all that junk out of you because we're bringing stuff. You guys know that, right? It's, I understand. You're a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I get that. But now I need to be delivered. Because why? Because he promised he would. He would not just only save me, but he delivers me. He will bring you out, and he will free you. Number two, number three. Then you can read Romans on your own at home. Number three, I will redeem you. God promises me restoration. See at the bottom there? Restoration. It's part of our vision. He promises to restore me. At the top, discover purpose. How does he restore you? By changing the purpose for your life. Why? Because you're a different person now. You've received salvation. You've been delivered. And now you have a different purpose, a different outlook at life. You can go through Ephesians chapter 1 there. Number four, I will take you as my, this is my favorite one. I mean, all the others have to happen before you get here, but I will take you as my own people. God promises me fulfillment, that I would make a difference. For many, and, and still today, for many years, the, the Jews read this. And they have four cups that they set up during the Passover. And they set up these four cups. And they read this and they talk about these four promises that God has said. And some of them are still waiting for these promises. But they have been fulfilled through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. John 10.10, the thief comes only to steal, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I have come to give them uh, life to the fullest. That you may have it to the fullest. Fulfillment. In the last scripture, Hebrews 10.36, you need to persevere. You need to be patient in order to do the will of God and receive and receive what he promises. Do the will of God and receive. We just want to receive. 
I want to live however I want. I want to make my own decisions. I want to do whatever I want. But then when I go to God, I want him to, to do what I want him to do. When you create heavens and earth, and you make a world, and you put people on it, and you know the hairs on everyone's head that you've ever created, then you can have that conversation with God. Until then, it's yes, Lord. Until then, it's yes, Lord. This is how you want me. And people think, well, becoming a Christian, and that, you know, he's, God's such a square. He's no fun. I can't do. Yeah, go keep doing the things that you're doing. Keep getting the immediate satisfaction for your sin. You're going to pay for it eventually. Not because God's trying to do you harm, but because that's the way it's set up. Choose different. Choose life. Choose God. Choose to follow him. And then, all of a sudden, his promises are yes and amen. Why? Because I'm in right relationship with the one who made the promise. I'm trying to come up with a good analogy, but I'll, I'll go back to the workplace. You know, there are certain benefits that you get for working in certain places. I worked for Xerox for about nine years, and I had great benefits. By the time, uh, I think six years into it, I had like six or eight weeks of vacation time. I, I got to the end, I almost got to the point where I could take a week off every month of the year. I had so much vacation, paid vacation piled up. So I would use it throughout the year, and then uh, when we got close to December, I would sell it. Sell two weeks, you know, work two weeks vacation, get double pay, and then use that money for our Christmas gifts and things like that. And we had it all set up. and So I had great benefits. My insurance was covered 100%. I had a company car. All my gas was covered by, by the, the company for the company car. I had a 401K. I had all kinds of stuff, all kinds of benefits, right? Because why? Because I went to work every day. I went in. I, got, I, I took the application. I, I took, it was ridiculous. It's like an eight-hour interview. There's tests, and you know, and then you got to sit before a board, and they got to ask you questions, and all kinds of stuff goes on. At the end of the, there was 200 people there to get get a job. Back then, Xerox was a big deal, and there was all these people there. I'm looking at all these Asians and all these really smart-looking people, and I'm sitting there, you know, thinking, I was just, I was still in my last semester of electronics engineering, so I hadn't even graduated yet, and I'm trying to get the job. And they got down to four people, and they actually, when I did the interview, I was like, this is it. They're not going to hire me. And they ended up hiring me. But because I went through all that, I ended up working for the company. I showed up every day, right? I did my job every day. Whenever they asked me to do something extra, I would say, yes, Lord. You know, you know yes to the boss. Yes, boss. Yes, Vinny. We're still friends today. I would say, yes, Vinny. And I would do whatever he asked me to do, and he noticed that I was giving my all. And because of that, my benefits kept getting better, and my uh, income became more. And so, and as I continued through the company, I got more vacation time. I got more money. I got bonus, Christmas bonuses. I got more 401K. Why? Because I invested myself into that corporation, and I did what was asked of me. That's pretty, that's easy to understand, right? If you've ever, I mean, we have some entrepreneurs in the house. I, I did own my own business for a little while. There's benefits to both. But we understand how that works in the world. It works the same with our relationship with God. We want all the benefits, but we don't want to spend time with him. We don't want to go into his presence. We don't want to, we don't want to work. We don't want to, we don't want to do anything. We just want to go and get our benefits. I just want my benefits. Well, you're going to stand in line in the unemployment office. 
and you'll get those benefits. And I can tell you, you can't live off of that. That's, I'm trying to make it natural but spiritual. I hope you understand I'm not picking on anybody. But with God, it requires us to put in our time and not like a, like a punching clock, like you leave here today. I went to church this week. I'm good. Go clubbing tonight, and we're gonna go. I'm gonna go slap my wife a couple times because I went to church. You, you laugh, right? I'm making it extreme just to, you know, make it funny. But God's not a. This is not a place you punch in, and God says, "Oh, you did good. You showed up to church." This is a place where we celebrate, and one day we celebrate what God has done over the last six days. That's why we're here. I've been, I've been in relationship with God for six days before showing up here. I didn't come here to have a relationship with God. I came here with a relationship with God. So now I'm, I'm celebrating that with you. And who better than you guys? You guys are the best. So don't expect the benefits and the promises of God to be effective in your life if you're not putting in the relationship side, if you're not reading your word, if you're not spending time with the Lord, if you're not thanking him in the good and the bad and the ugly, if you're not praising him, if you're not, uh, you know, praying, if you're not just, you can't just show up and ask. It doesn't work that way. I know I'm beating that one down, but that one's like a big one in the church today because of the whole prosperity message we had 20 years ago. It's still seeping into our messages. That's not what God intended. He wants to take care of our needs and our wants. I can tell you that. But if he wanted us all rich, some of us have enough faith to be millionaires here, and we'd all be millionaires. That's not God's intention for our lives. He wants you to have your needs and wants so that you can continue to have a relationship with him and do the work of the ministry here on the earth. Did you not know that you all are ministers of reconciliation? Just because you're not in the five-fold ministry doesn't mean you have a job to do here on the earth. We do. And when it's all said and done, I want God to look at me and say, my good and faithful servant, you've done well. That requires us to do something, not just ask for something. Right? I'll make it, I'll make it a little easier to understand, then we'll end. Walking up to the gates, we made it. Yo, Pops, remember me? I asked you for stuff and you gave it to me. I came to you and I prayed and I asked for a new car and I got a new car. I got into debt and I couldn't pay for it and they took it away, but I had it for a little while. God, you know, hey, remember me? Remember Jesus, what Jesus said? I never knew you. Because the word knew or know is an intimate word. How many of you know how the, how the Jewish uses it as an idiom? The word know, you know, Adam knew Eve. That's how they made babies. <laughs> so the word know, to know God, is an intimate thing. To know, to let him know who you are. Search me, oh, David knew about that. Search me, oh God. Go into my deepest, darkest places in my heart. And see what's in there. And cleanse me of all unrighteousness. He let God into his darkest parts of his heart. That's why God said, that's a man after my own heart. David didn't ask for stuff. Yet he had stuff. It's kind of a byproduct. 
of having a relationship. Me getting paid and having benefits at Xerox was a byproduct of showing up to work <laughs> and doing my job as if unto God himself. Let's stand to our feet this morning. We love you, Lord. We thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, praise you, praise you. Thank you, Lord. You know, God's promises are limited to those who know Jesus and who have surrendered their life to the Lord. They're limited to his sons and daughters. But that access is open door for everyone. It's not like he chooses, right? You get to choose whether you get to live as a son or a daughter of God. And you do that by giving yourself to him that he would come and live inside of you. And your relationship begins. It's very simple. So if you're here this morning, you say, hey, I want that. I want to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior and start that relationship with him. Uh, and, and please, aside from the promises, that's just, like I said, a byproduct. It's going to happen. If you have faith and believe in his word, it's going to happen. But I'd rather have him. That's what she's playing behind me now. All I want is you, Lord. That's all I want is you. If you're here this morning and you want to pray that prayer, just wave at me so I can see you. Because it's kind of hard to see when the lights. Anybody. We'll pray with you. We're not going to embarrass you. Amen. So we're all brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. We love you, Lord. We praise you. We glorify your name. We thank you for this opportunity to hear your word and let it change our hearts, Lord. Let your word sink deep into our hearts and bear its fruit this morning, Father, as we believe in your promises. I await many, many testimonies from people standing on your promises and believing for your, your provision in their lives, Lord, in every area, not just finances, Lord, but their body, their mind, Lord, their relationships. We thank you, Father, that we refuse, we refuse to let go of what you have said because you are not a man that you should lie. Thank you for your promises. We love you. We praise you in the powerful name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we all said, amen, amen. If you were baptized a couple of weeks ago, your certificates are in the Connection Center. Is that correct? So if you've been baptized, Thanks for listening to the New Life Bible Church podcast. If you're ever in the Central Florida area, consider this a standing invitation for you to join us. We would love to meet you. Services are Sundays at 1030 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. If this message blessed you, imagine what it would be like in person. Keep up with everything going on at New Life on our website, orangecitychurch.com. New Life Bible Church, you will never be the same.